Hey there, youth workers. Welcome to the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast. I'm your host, Paul Turner from thedisciplesproject.net. So glad to be with you today. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome in. Thank you for being here and checking out what I have to say about youth ministry, discipleship, and all kinds of other things today. But today I have a guest, Jason Mayfield. He is a minister, an entrepreneur, and a YouTuber. And we're gonna talk about money, ministry, and side hustles. Uh, Because uh, there's a, a lot of you out there listening who could use a few extra bucks in your pocket. And Jason and I are gonna try to help you find those bucks to put in your pocket by talking about Uh, side hustles, talking about extra jobs, talking about different things you can do uh, using what God's already given you to be able to create those finances. Now, I do want to make a point today that one of the options Jason talks about is multi-level marketing. Now, I, to be very clear, am not a part of any multi-level marketing anything. Uh, I've had, you'll hear throughout the, the, the discussion, that I've had um, some experience with that and uh, and have just chosen not to do that as an option for myself. That doesn't mean you can't do it, but we do give you some tips and uh, rules for that. There are no, this is not a pitch program. There are no links to be found. In fact, Jason doesn't even talk about which MLM he's a part of, but there are a ton of great nuggets throughout this episode. And it is a bit lengthy. This is a a long interview. It's about an hour. Uh, But if you look in the show notes, I have broken it down that if you want to skip around and do those kind of things, you can do that. Now, because this is a lengthy program, I'm going to keep my announcements here to a minimum. But I do want to let you know that uh, I have a new uh, coaching session that's going to be opening up. Uh, That's going to be starting Monday, January 14th, 2020. Uh, through March 17th. It's going to be on a Tuesday night. And uh, if you are interested in that, and I hope you are, I, I hope you're asking yourself some big questions for 2020. I hope that you're dreaming big. I hope that you're really trying to catch the vision saying, look, where do I want to be a year from now? You know, you had big dreams maybe in January. And maybe you're falling a little short of those, or maybe maybe you're doing great. I hope you are. Uh, but if you're not, maybe the solution is to have some coaching. Maybe the solution is sitting in with about four or five other youth workers, uh, meeting every week for the next, you know, those three months, January through March, and saying, look, let's put together a plan here, okay? There's so many of you that are, you know, maybe Googling your way to a successful youth ministry, and may I say that that's, that's not how that works. As the commercial says, that's not how any of this works. And really what coaching will do is put you on a path and say, okay, how do I, how do I dissect this thing into its pieces and parts? What do I really want to focus on? What, how do I grow my youth ministry? How do I, you know, become a professional in what I'm doing? How do I work on my craft of doing youth work and working with teenagers and working with adults. You know, working with teens might be the easy part for you, but working with adults, that's the that's the downside, right? And I can help you with that. I can use my 30 years of youth ministry experience of training teams, working with teenagers, creating programs, all those kind of things to help you design a program that's going to work for you and your church. I don't want to give you some prepackaged thing. I want to help you unlock the dreams that you have that God's given to you for your youth ministry in your town, in your church. That's the whole point of doing coaching. And listen, if you sign up, 
before December 15th, you're going to receive not only you're going to get the coaching, that's all going to happen, but you're going to receive uh, my book in PDF form. You're going to get all this in PDF form. You're going to get my book prepared for impact, which is all about organizing and and really dialing into some disciplinary things for your own life to help you unlock you know some of the the, the keys to doing great youth ministry uh, you're also going to get <clears throat> the youth no, excuse me you're going to get the disciple project which is uh, my um, my magna carter if you will of discipleship and my thoughts and feelings on that and how to design programs to help you build effective lifetime followers of Jesus. And then you're also going to get my youth ministry playbook 2020. You're going to get that, which is going to basically give you a, uh, it's a planner, but you need more than a planner. You need a playbook, which actually asks the questions you should be asking throughout the year, in addition to getting articles and forms and all those kind of things and worksheets and all that kind of stuff. And then finally, you're going to get my youth meeting playbook, which is all about designing effective meetings, which are going to help you uh, uh, engage teenagers and design meetings that are really going to be uh, impactful. Uh, they're going to be on purpose and they're really going to, you know, turn your meetings more into a movement where you're trying to build momentum in your ministry and be able to reach some of your goals that you're setting. And so all of that, that's valued over, that's $75 right there. So that's not even, that's like a half a month uh, worth of your coaching costs. So you're going to get to get all that back in resources. So if you're interested, there'll be a link down in the description below. You can check it out. I would love to hear from you. If you have questions, uh, those kind of things, I'll be happy to answer them. So today's episode, like I said, is a lengthy one. Uh, there's lots of little nuggets in there about being a professional youth worker, about money, about ministry, about side hustle. And Jason is a great guest, by the way. He loves to talk. He'll tell you that. And let me tell you what, he's got some great things to say. So go ahead and tune in and uh, we'll jump right into the conversation here. Uh, on your website, Jason, uh, you say, both on your website and your YouTube channel, by the way, uh, your, 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 your website is jasonmayfield.com and your YouTube channel is Jason Mayfield, uh, youtube.com slash Jason Mayfield. And you talk about some of your life challenges that you've gone through, which is not specified there, which is uh, where we're going to chat about today. But what were some of those challenges and um, what were some of the things you did about them? Well, first of all, let me just say this, Paul. It's really good to be with you. And on top of that, you know, you and I have been within miles of each other more times than uh, is probably necessary to have never met each other in person. So, and we may have met each other in person. We could have talked to each other at a gas station. I mean, there's so many ways that we could have connected that we don't even know about right now. Um, no, so, and not to mention all the mutual friends and what may that we have, but no, I, um, I was born into an, an unbelieving home. Uh, I was raised by two alcoholics. Uh, at the age of around 11-ish, maybe 12, probably 11, just by several supernatural dominoes lining up in the right way, I came into the faith uh, through uh, the, uh, the Assemblies of God. I was, I was kind of brought into an Assemblies of God church, and uh, it, it now I'm looking back 20, 25 years, however long it's been. And, you know, here I am an ordained Assemblies of God minister. So, I mean, you can see kind of what that trail goes from an unbelieving home raised by alcoholics to here. Several 
difficult situations that came out of that that I mean I, I you're welcome to probe anything but to give I think the best snapshot of my family life was when I was studying for my entry level credentialing in the Assemblies of God. Yes. Uh, I was studying the course AG History, Missions, and Polity. I don't even know if they do this anymore, but they were going to give me what's called a provisional certification, Correct. meaning that I had not finished all the classes to be certified, but they had seen something in me and they said, you know what, we're going to go ahead and give this to you if you'll just finish this class. While I'm doing that class, my dad gets inebriated beyond belief. He lived inebriated, but I mean, I'm talking, he was on a whole nother level and uh, I'm studying this class and he pulls a shotgun on me that night. And that's the night that I moved out of the house. Yeah. Yeah. You just gotta, you know, there's a, there's a point where you go, I don't think I'm welcome anymore. Yeah. It always taught me though, that, you know, when it comes to church government and politics there's yeah. probably not a whole lot of good that's wrapped up in it. So that was kind of a subtle lesson that I learned uh, <laughs> right yes. there, right, right there at home. And, uh, but yeah, so that kind of, I mean, that's kind of the, the best encompassing uh, of, of uh, my upbringing. But then on top of that, we've had several different difficult ministry situations. We've been in a lot of turnaround churches. And sometimes when you're the turnaround guy, or you're the turnaround guy to the guy. Yeah. Because a lot of pastors, I was a music minister for years, so pastors bring you in with an agenda to do something, and a lot of times that's pivoting. Yes. And uh, so, you know, you you kind of build enemies unintentionally just because you're not the last guy that they loved, and you're not the next guy that gets to live in the fruit that you've brought up. Right. And so you kind of have those, those tough situations. But um, that's all good and fine. If it's a, you know, if it's a year, if it's a six months, I know a lot of youth pastors, which is the primary audience we're talking to today. And a lot of music pastors, you know, when you start out those first few years, you kind of, your first three years are your first three churches, you know, you just kind of go through them a lot of times. That's correct. But when we really started to see that we had entrusted our life so much to the ministry especially financially, was when we had done all the right things in a church for a long tenure, where we'd been there five years, and at the end of five years, somehow, we're looking around in the matter of six months, everything has turned sour, and there is no explanation in sight for it. Now, in hindsight, I can give you a lot of explanation for it, sure, sure. because uh, a lot of things came out afterwards, but that's it's neither here nor there when your head when you're knee deep in it it's right when you're knee deep in it you're going what in the world <laughs> is going on right now right i right. mean i i literally had a lady who had told me her and her husband to my face we prayed for 12 years for you to come to this church Oh my. And I'm there, and for five years, they've been praying for me to be at this church, and somehow the last six months, they're trying to, they are the primary people trying to get rid of me. <laughs> we say, well, you know, they, they must pray harder, I guess. <laughs> I, well, I'm just saying that, you know, that's kind of like, you know, asking your parents for food and not liking the meal they brought. You know, you got what you wanted. That's right. So be careful what so you yeah, ask so for people. Be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> exactly. Well, what are some of the other challenges? Because like I said, looking on your 
on your your bio and those things on your on your website there are other challenges you had that you i mean the one being obviously growing up in a in a dysfunctional family which i think we both share i also grew up in an alcoholic home so uh never a shotgun pulled on me but my mother uh i think at one time tried to <laughs> try threaten me with a tennis racket so that was well you know <laughs> my so, quite a shotgun but if it if it would have gone bad mine would have been quicker than yours <laughs> that's for sure so i just would have been volleyed to death yeah uh, um but uh but you've gone through some other challenges every every youth pastor listening to this is familiar with churches going south and and all those things but I, but the other challenges that I sensed uh, a little bit that were going there too, I, I imagine that a lot of our youth pastors share with you as well. You know, whether that's finances. I saw that you did a 75-day challenge at one point. Well, actually, I'm in the middle of the 75-day challenge right okay. now. I did a, um, a nine-day soft run because the 75-day the challenge I'm on right now, which is kind of part of one of our business models, is I'm waking up early. I'm uh, doing a series of reading things every day. I'm reading 10 pages to a chapter of a book a day. Right. Um, reading through the New Testament in 75 days, which if anyone who's familiar with my content on the internet will find, that's not abnormal for me. Yeah. Reading a book and getting up early are more abnormal, but <laughs> reading through the scripture at a higher rate is not super abnormal. But then I also do uh, personal journaling, Bible journaling every day. So in the first two hours, I've done two types of journaling, two types of reading. Uh, but then I'm also working out and sticking to a diet every day. And so it's really, when we talk about a 75-day challenge, it's like super tough. But I did a nine-day run because anyone who's ever done this stuff before right. knows it's real easy to quit on day three or four. Oh, sure. And so we were going into an event that was really important, a big conference that Ashley and I were involved in. And uh, I knew in the conference, we were going to have like a hundred people down that are kind of directly uh, aligned with us that we were going to have to be taken care of. And we were kind of, we, in these moments, we almost have to float between events because there's, I don't want to say we're celebrities, but there's a celebrity-ish nature to what we do sure. in the company. And so we kind of have to just be flexible and and float a little bit. And so I knew I wasn't going to be able to do 75 days through that. So I said, let me do a nine day run and see if I can stick to this for nine days. Yeah. And so I did, thank goodness. And now I'm on today was day 18 or 19. Okay. I'm not sure of the 75 and days. Why you, and why did you feel the need to start that by the way? What was your, what was the impetus to say, I need to do this challenge? Well, What's probably going to come out in the course of the uh, um, conversation is we're doing pretty good financially. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's going to come out at some point. But in some of the pivotal stuff that we did a couple of years ago, we, I had, first of all, let me start here. Before we had done all of the financial stuff, I had lost 55 pounds. Right. And so I was down in the 180s, feeling good, looking good. And then um, I was maintaining that weight fine. And we started going through Dave Ramsey's baby steps in right. a nutshell. And so right. I had done uh, baby step two. You know, if you aren't familiar with Dave Ramsey's baby I, steps, I baby step one is, yeah, $1,000. And then baby step two is to go completely debt-free other than the mortgage. Yep. 
I hated envelopes. I can tell you that for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even like to mail with them anymore. Everything's on a postcard no, now. All digital. Keep that get envelope. It, get it in as get it in as short as you can. <laughs> and then um, so but then we got to baby step three. Baby step two, we paid off sixty three thousand eight hundred one dollars and ninety nine cents in six months. Wow. Yeah, and went completely debt free in six months. And then um, we did our baby step three, and we put put away twenty five thousand dollars in two months. Wow. I, I don't know what it was about the $25,000. Right. I don't know what it was about the two months. There's part of me, I've told people, I said, I don't even think we made that much money. Right. I, I think I stared at spreadsheets and wheeled this into existence. <laughs> okay. And, and so I just, there was something about I needed to be done with the process. Right. And I started to eat everything in sight. At the same time, since I have left church ministry, local church ministry, right. which dictated a lot of my schedule, which sure. when I was going to the office every day, I was waking up early, doing my routines, doing the things I had to do before I went into the office. So once I gained the weight back and I was no longer at the church all the time with this morning routine, the two things I've struggled with since then was my weight and my morning routine. And so the 75 day challenge was based off of something that I had heard, but didn't really match my values. And so I created my own 75 day challenge that we've now got a handful of people walking through who are business partners with us. So we've seen a lot of positive. What's been really crazy is seeing people who had no inclination to do it, but to get them turned on to Bible reading every day. Hmm. So it's been a really interesting, the weirdest thing in business. I always tell people this. I, as a pastor, I am not pastoral in nature at all. Okay. So if someone believes in the fivefold ministry, I tend to function more like an apostle. Sure. I govern, I'm high level, I, everything in the church, somehow I end up with some kind of mentorship or leadership over it or executive decision making over it, but I don't function as a pastor. I always tell people when it comes to folks, when they come to share stuff with me, and then they leave. I always like I would tell my secretary, I would say, what they don't understand is I love them. Yes. But I do not care. <laughs> and I know that sounds weird, but I really do. I really love you. I want things to go well with you. I want God to move in your life. I want to, I want to minister the word and it take root in your heart and things go well. I just don't really care. Yes. If you come tell me all your problems, I'm like, you know, by the by the time we're through the the small talk and the introduction, I'm kind of like, you know, are yeah. we done? What time is it? Yeah, are we ready to go? So, um, I stopped doing lunch meetings with people cause I I thought lunch meetings were efficient. And then I realized, no, you're trapped here for the duration of the meal. <laughs> eat fast, eat fast, yeah, eat fast, bring the check, bring the check. <laughs> bring <it. laughs> and so, um, but no, so, but now in business, what's funny is I walk into these rooms. I was telling someone recently, I walked into a room with people yeah. who are making it was, it was a particular room with people who were probably all making $250,000 plus every year. Wow. A lot of millionaires in the room. So, I mean, that, it was kind of that range, quarter of a million to multi-million dollars and net worths are through the roof. A lot of people are worth more than we are. Yeah. And I walk into the room and people just start spilling their guts to me. <laughs> it, it, it was the most, I'm, I told Ashley, I said, I am pastoring people more right now sure. than I ever did when I was doing it on purpose. Yeah. 
And it's, so it's a real, it's a weird dynamic. I don't even know what got me off into that, but yeah. So that's why I'm doing the 75 day challenges mostly because those two areas of my life, the, uh, the, the weight loss, but then also, uh, my morning routine mornings have been a real struggle for me because I can, I, we work from home, so I kind of can do whatever I want. But at, at 10 AM, if you really haven't got it kicked into high gear and, and I don't say this as a rule because it is different for everybody. And I know there's a lot that floats around out there. Like you got to wake up at four 30 in the morning or you're going to be a failure. And that's not the, the case. So it's different for everybody. But for me, I've kind of learned if I'm not kicking it by 10 AM, like strong kicking it, like already in the groove of work. I'm not talking about starting my day. I'm not talking about brewing coffee. I mean, I got to have a workflow already going. If it's not happening at 10 a.m., the day's already done. Right. And everybody's got their own rhythm. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I, look, I personally, I'm a 5 a.m. guy. So I usually am writing, already doing what I need to start doing. Get, you know, I'll write for a little bit, <clears throat> pray for a little bit, and then coffee, breakfast, and then, and then I'm into it for another two hours up until yeah. o'clock. So you know, those, your sweet spots that you get into, your rhythms that you get into kind of define some of that. Yeah. And you know, and something I will say to youth pastors, because there are senior pastors out there. I've never seen one who said it and actually meant it, sure. but they, I hear it thrown around a lot yeah. is, you know, I don't really care uh, if the youth pastor wants to come into the office or not. I just need him after school's out to go out there in the community and love on kids. So if he sleeps late and he's out late with the kids, that's fine. But here's the thing I would really encourage every youth pastor listening. Sure. Uh, Cause there's really two kinds of youth pastors. There's youth pastors who are heading in a trajectory to some other ministry role eventually. Right. And then there's youth pastors who are youth pastors forever for both. I would really recommend find a way Find something you anchor yourself into that declares that you're a professional. Yeah. Don't just be, I love kids. We right. have church. I go to the things. Don't be that. You need to have some structures in your life that when, whenever the, the topic comes up, you go, oh gosh, yeah. I mean, from, from 10 to 3, oh gosh, I'm killing it every day. I mean, it's just... You know, 10 to 10 to 11:30 is paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. And I live on my calendar. I tell you something, if, if a youth pastor pulled out a phone to somebody and showed a fully blocked out calendar, you'd have them right there. Yeah. Because those are just professional things that help you just to anchor yourself. And uh, so that would be a, just a well, small encouragement. Well, I think that is an excellent encouragement. Declare that you are a professional, that you're, you're, and, and I like um, what Jeff Goins says, you know, he talks about people being artists, uh, you know, and I, I think all youth pastors are artists. I mean, which are professionals, by the way, uh, that you can be both a professional and an artist. It's not one or the other. You, you can be both in those, in those lanes, but declaring yourself a professional is, is a, is for those, some people listening here is profound because they do see themselves as kind of the, either the big brother or the mama or the uncle or however that relationship mm -hmm. they define that in, but they're professionals. They show up and they do ministry with kids that, that, that pastoring is a real thing. And, you know, un, unlike you, Jason, they, they actually want to hear people's problems. <laughs> they, they want to hear most. most yeah. And, and that just tells me this, that youth workers, listen, youth workers get into youth work because they love students. They want to hear problems. They want yeah. to 
uh, they want to facilitate solutions. They want to be the listening ear. They want to do all those things. But because they don't see themselves as a professional, here's where it starts to impact. Um, because most youth workers, I, me included, took jobs based on what I thought I could do for that church or their need or those things. In fact, I would say, and I would say probably, you know, out of the churches I've worked in, maybe I discussed finances with one of them. Yeah. Every, in fact, the money didn't even matter. Right. I was so anxious as a young man to just be in ministry, those things. We don't think about the money or the insurance or the, we're thinking about doing that. And because of that, uh, most youth pastors wind up in a hole financially because they took it because they believed, you know, God called them there. And I use air quotes with that for those who are listening that you were called there. And then a year in or six months or whatever it may be, as you find yourself, you're having to do some things that, or, or just suck it up and, and live in poverty because there's not a, a great working, uh, a, a working wage, if you will, for youth pastors. And so, uh, you can share with these guys today, because like you said, you've paid off $64,000 worth of debt. You've overcome the challenges, done, done weight loss, done these things. These are all disciplinary things. These are things you have to discipline. So when you're talking to youth workers today and you're sharing with them, what, do you, what are some of the things that they need to know financially if they're in a church right now where they feel like, you know, most youth pastors are not paid what they're worth. So it doesn't, you know, that's, that's just kind of par for the course but they find themselves struggling and then complaining and or praying to God and saying, what is going on here? What, 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 where can we start that discussion at before we get yeah. into the, the, the streams of income that we want to talk about? Let's talk about the money issue right off the bat. Yeah. And I think you, you know, you say something, I want to, I want to clear it up a little bit, but you said, you said it clearly, but I want to, I want to sure. proverbialize it here a yeah, little bit. Do. A lot there is the side of ministry where a lot of us in ministry, depending on our ministry income, yeah. find ourselves at some point in life. A lot of times it's going to be somewhere after you've had a child. Find ourselves unable to live on the amount of money that we've agreed to live on. Yeah. The flip side of it is you knew what you signed up for. And I do worry sometimes that we don't know what we signed up for. I will tell you a conversation that I had with a youth pastor who, had, who was a youth pastor. I think his total tenure as a youth pastor was six weeks. He was from our church. That's pretty good in some places. In some places, great. No, this is his total tenure ever. Ever. Um, ever. Yes. And it was a decision to leave. But he, um, we had, he was from our church. He had left, he had gone to Southeastern, he had finished his degree at Southeastern, and he went to a church that, I'm going to tell you right now, it was a church plant. I know the pastor of the church plant. Right. This, I knew then that this guy was going to blow it up. It was going to be a massive success, and it has been. And the guy went, this guy who was the youth pastor, from Southeastern, who had graduated from Southeastern, he goes to be this guy's youth pastor. And after six weeks, he decides, you know what? I got my degree. I did this work. And I should be making more money than this. Yeah. He was back home and he was telling me this story. Now, I'm a music pastor. Right. 
And I told him, I looked him in the face and I said, son, I have never done a day of college. You can go get your doctorate and they are always going to pay me more than they're going to pay you. Yeah. Because it's a skill set that I have that they can't find in a lot of people. Correct. And so, you know, and that's not to say that all youth pastors are created equal. That's not to say that all music pastors are created equal, but there is a pay scale that we have to be aware of and where we get in at it. Yep. We have to be aware. And I also want to be very clear on this. The last ministry position that I really interviewed for, that was an actual like interview interview, we were changing ministry positions. I was going to be leaving worship ministry, moving into pastor, senior pastor ministry. And the topic of salary came up and I stopped them right there. And I said, I just want you to know, it doesn't matter. We'll make it work. So the last time I interviewed somewhere, which I didn't get that job, thank God, because they'd have probably paid me $22,000. They're like, we got this guy. That was something that came out of my mouth. But within a month from that, not getting that position, I was taking another job somewhere else for the money. So I just want you to know, this is not something that I've got 15 years of, I'm a cold, hard killer, and all I want is that money, son. That's not me. Right. I've, I've done that. My first ministry position was $100 a week. That's yep. what I made. And they housed me in a boy's home and I was full time. Wow. That, that being said, I want to just, I'm throwing some caveats out here. Yes. Not only do we know what we sign up for, but also those of you who are up and coming youth pastors, if you happen to be an up and coming, any kind of pastor, and you're looking at those first positions, there is something to be said for just go do it. Just go, just go do the first one. Yep. I've heard people say, you just go to your first church and hopefully God will call you to your second one. Just go do it. Get your foot in the door. You cannot, I know people right now who are sitting back and they're going, no, I've got a degree and I'm, I'm worth more. Listen, if you've never done it, you're not. If you've never done anything, you're not worth more. Right. You have to go do it first. So I just want to put that out there. Now, that being said, some financial considerations that you need to have. A couple of things moving into churches. When you take a church ministry position, the first thing that you need to do, which I have never done once in my life, but I'm talking to you now as someone who really knows money. Yes. You need to write out a written budget. I remember the first time I accepted a job for $35,000, this was after the $100 a week. Right. And we're talking about a home budget, not a ministry budget. Not a ministry budget. No. No. You write down how much money it costs you to live in any given area that you want to go to. I will give you a secret to this. Two keys. One, it's going to take you probably six months to really lock it down. But those things like rent, insurance, all of that stuff you should know. You should be able to get those numbers. Right. The second thing, though, is... Budget more for food than you think you need. <laughs> food is the one, er- groceries is the one area that everybody seems to go, $75 a month, I can do it. No, no, you can't. You're doing ramen. You're doing <laughs> yeah, ramen. You it, and, but that's not just ramen. That's ramen every meal, every day yes. for the month. I mean, that's three things of ramen a day. That's still going to be $60. Right. Don't budget. You know, at the end of a month. Yeah, so you've got to make sure, and, and, I, and if you, you know, are over 22, 
it's going to hit you a lot different than it did two years ago. So y'all need to be careful with that ramen all the time. <laughs> it, it don't it don't go the, the way it used to. That's so those right. would be two things with a budget. But before you go into a position, just be aware of the budget. And that way you can really know because you want to be aware of what you're signing up for. Like I said, the first time that I ever accepted a salary position for $35,000, the most research I did was to look at a friend and go, is that enough? <laughs> you need to do better than that. Yeah. You need to do better than that. So, but granted, I went from $100 a week to $35,000 a year. So I was at least a move in the right direction. But my trajectory, I wish I'd have had that kind of increase in the next church. Oh, man, making $300,000 a year. That would have been fantastic. That would have been. But, but I would say this, too, that, that you have to put a premium on your family. If you're going to go into ministry and you're going to be a youth pastor or an associate pastor of some kind, don't, 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 uh, don't use the terms like, oh, well, God's just going to take care of it. No, no, no. You take initiative to take care of your family, too. You participate in that process. Yes, God's going to take care of you. Yeah, sure, some you know, grandma might bring some fried chicken over to your house you know, at some point in time to bless you. But, but I don't need to be waiting on blessings. That's, that's right. We don't, yeah. back in the day, they'd pay you in chickens and, and all those things. But yeah. listen, you got you to gotta pay bills. You I had a pastor friend who was asked to come out to a church one time, and he had asked for more money than one of the board members wanted to give him. And the board member looked at him and said, well, I think you ought to come on a little more faith. And he looked at the board member and he said, you ever had faith between two pieces of bread? It don't taste good. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And that is the kind of tenacity that I think youth workers need to go in with. Once again, if you're young, you don't have enough but you have to meet needs. You don't have enough yes. leverage on your side to say, hey, I have a degree or I have X or whatever that is. But you still have to say, look, this is important. We got to pay bills. We have to provide rent, food, all those things. Don't sell your family out just because you want to get this job. You Absolutely. Buy your family first. And I would say between those two different budget scenarios, if it's you and your wife and you don't have any kids and you guys are young, you're under, I'm going to say under 27 years old, and you can get in there and you can survive, you get in there and you survive. But I'm just telling you, when you've got a kid in the scenario, when you've got a couple of kids in the scenario, you really need to make sure that when you take a position that in that budget, there is wiggle room in your finances. You need to be able to save, pay down debt. You need that wiggle room because the more moving parts or the more breathing people there are in your household, the more moments you're going to have to pick up at any given time and just go somewhere and do something because something happens or something's going on. I remember I was in a position where, and I'll give you the, the other side of this. I was in a position where I was getting paid really well. I was making close to probably $65,000 a year. We had a lot of cash advantages back then too mm -hmm. that had not been so cracked down on. Uh, from some government, you know, tax code stuff. Tax code works good and bad. Every time they change it, there's something good, there's something bad. So we had, we had some things that you can't get now back then. And uh, so it probably was more like a $72,000, $75,000 package. Uh, my grandfather died. And because we weren't managing our money well, I couldn't go to Alabama for the funeral. Yeah. And I just was like, I have to sit it out because I've got no money. Yeah. 
I can't afford to go down there right now. So, you know, not only is it prepping for that, but then once you're there, also making sure you stick into those budgets. Right. So go ahead, Bob. I was gonna say, you have to prepare. That's part of that is that you need to be making enough that if you had some emergency that you need to take care of, that you can take care of that. If you're, if you're budgeting to the penny, you can't afford then your tires to go out. You can't afford then for something to happen where, where you have no, like you said, wiggle room to be able to do that. Uh, and, and you have to have, what is Dave Ramsey says, you got to have, a, he says $1,000, right? $1,000 in savings or something like that. At before least before first. you start going into your debt payoff, yeah, at least $1,000 in your emergency fund. And yeah. then when you have are debt free, you want to have three to six months in your emergency fund. And let me just tell you, these situations that didn't go well, and I knew for a fact it was a lack of integrity on the pastor. Listen to me, if you're listening to this, there's going to be a day where you don't have enough money and you're going to work for some pastor somewhere who's going to show his behind, mm. but you're going to have to stand up in front of the church and say, we feel like God's called us somewhere else because you don't have any money and they've got control of you with the, with the three weeks worth of severance that they want to pay you. Yep. That isn't enough to take care of you, but it's enough to keep you quiet because you're desperate. Let me just tell you right now, you walk through one of those scenarios with about $50,000 in the bank. Listen, it ain't going to go down that way. That's right. You, you can sit at a staff meeting table a little different when you got a little cheddar in the bank because, right. you know, I mean, what you, you're going to fire me for real? Because <laughs> I'm fine. Right. And then pastors wait. And, you know, sometimes, and once again, I, I'm not here to, you know, besmirch anybody's name or anything like that, but there are pastoral types, usually type A personalities, who, who can get somebody over a barrel where you need, even if it's unhealthy and toxic, mm -hmm. you have to stay there. Otherwise, you're in trouble financially. Yeah. And so there, And there may be some people listening. They're in there right now. They said, man, Paul, how can we get out of here? <laughs> how in the world can we do this? So as a matter of fact, I'll tell you what, go ahead. I, no, I'm interrupting you. I need you to say what you were going to say because you were about to say something that was going to set somebody free, I think. Well, I, I was going to say that that if you're in that situation, if you're listening and you're in that situation, that you are struggling to, to get out of a situation, there's going to have to be on your part a, a sense of discipline and urgency to be able to say, listen, I came into this a little blind. I'm not blind now. I've, my eyes, uh, the revelation has happened. And now I have to make some moves and have to do some things. But this is where you come in, Jason, because we're talking about creating multiple streams of income to be able to do the things so that so that it can alleviate some pressure but also add some leverage to be able to say okay i'm not stuck i can i can do something there are things that i can do what are some things that you would recommend then as far as multiple streams of income but i know when we say that even saying that it sounds very businessy or i don't know spammy or uh something weird that you hear on the internet but it's really not. not no. It's just, it's just multiple ways of creating income for your family. Yeah. I mean, if you have a retirement account, yes, that is in essence yes. a model for multiple streams of income. If, you, if you're investing in a retirement account every month, you're actually already making money. You just can't touch that money. Right. But if you were investing in actual investment accounts, 
right. would be making money that you could tap into at any given time. Now, I would not encourage you to do that. I, listen, most people listening to this aren't making the kind of money where you just need to go out and start investing in mutual funds to make money. You need to max out your retirement as soon as you can. And a lot of people listening won't even meet the government caps for that. So you just need to invest as much as you can in your 401k after you're debt free, after you have an emergency fund, that's when you're going to do that. But that's a good example of a multiple stream of income that we don't think of our retirement accounts, because while you're getting a paycheck, that's one stream of income. That's my youth pastor income yeah. over here. I'm also getting this retirement income, this interest that's coming in on whatever's in my retirement account. If you're bivocational and you get money from the church, but you also get money from Lowe's, if you work at Lowe's or Home Depot, guess what? That's multiple streams of income. But here's the deal with multiple streams. There's, there are not set types of multiple streams for everyone, but there are principles that have guided me in multiple streams. And we're fortunate. I've actually, I'm on the side of it now where I've actually been able to shut down streams of income. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I was able to say, Wait, no, I don't even no, want this one anymore. No, no, don't shut it down. Can you just divert it this way? Send it somewhere just, else. Can you just drop a rock and it'll just, move around? Just let it, let it go where it has to go. Just bring a backo in and let it go where it has to go. Um, so, no, so one of the major principles for me is one, I want to get paid for the thing that I'm primarily doing. So if I'm a youth pastor at 40 hours a week, well, I want to be making a salary doing that. And depending on where you live, that depends, that's going to change how much it is. But let's just work with some good even numbers. Let's just say that you were making $30,000 a year, which is probably low, but it just, it's an easy number. So let's start making $30,000 a month, let's see, or $30,000 a year. What's 30,000 divided by 12? 5,000? 30,000? 12, that's two, three. Well, tw you know, 30,000 is... Less than, less than three, isn't it? That's two, like 27? Yeah, something like that. Okay, I'm going to say it's $2,700 a month. Yeah. So if our math is off, you know, get a calculator, get over it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's twenty seven hundred dollars a month, right there. That's thirty thousand dollars. So, let's say now, I need to create some leverage in my life. So, I'm going to start thinking about what would do that in my world. So, maybe if I made five hundred extra dollars a month, if I made five hundred extra dollars a month, now I'm making thirty two hundred dollars a month. Right. Okay. That's only six thousand dollars a year. So, what is something? This is the question that I ask myself. This is the first type of stream of income I want to try to create. What is something that I am naturally gifted at that doesn't take me a lot of time? That's the key. It's yeah. not just naturally gifted. It's, it doesn't take me a lot of time right. that I can monetize. Yep. So for instance, for me, uh, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm, I was in music ministry and so, you know, music ministry kind of lends itself and sometimes youth ministry will do this too. Lends itself to also be in the creative department, the video department, the communications office and you start, so you're doing graphic design all this stuff. I had a unique uh, gift that I was not creative. I'm not a creative individual, not musically, nothing. I'm a utility guy. I can play a bunch of stuff. I'm good. I can come in. I can take your stuff to the next level, but I'm not going to come in here and sit on the ground and play an acoustic guitar all day and try to find the next great song. I'm not trying to write 
something. I'm just, I'm executing all day long. So what I learned to do over the years was to take an idea and execute on it really, really fast. So graphic design, I did a whole year's worth of series design one day in about two hours. We had the whole year mapped out and I did all, I had left this church and they had seven months of series designs that they were using that I'd made. You know, so I mean, that's, I just was able to execute. So I started going, man, if I could just have people have me do their graphic design stuff, I could whip that out super fast. And because I can whip it out super fast, I could charge less than the competition, but still make more per the hour. Right. Yes. Now that was that. Now, so for you, it may not be that. It may be making farm tables. You know, everybody wants these little farm tables in their house. Well, farm tables ain't nothing but a two by six, a bunch of two by sixes thrown together. Right. So, but the question is, can you do it fast? So if you're the fastest farm table maker in the world, and you just farm table benches, farm table benches, farm table benches, then you can charge less than the competition, get out faster, and, and you're going to corner the market. And so here's the thing though, you don't have to turn this into $100,000 a year, but God bless you if you want to. Sure. And there's always potential for that. But you just use this to leverage yourself. So you can turn this into $500 a month, $1,000 a month. I think when I stopped doing the graphic design stuff, I was bringing in, and again, this was only taking a few hours out of the week. It was nothing. Uh, I think I was bringing in maybe $2,500 a month, yep. something like that. So from there, I also said, hey, you know what? My Saturdays are wide open. Why well, I start a wedding videography business? So I started going out and doing these wedding videos. Well, every week you do a wedding video, I mean, that's whatever you charge. So I started at $900. I ended at $1,500. I didn't do it long. I did it for like a year. I hated doing wedding videos. Let me tell you something right now. That was awful. So you, you see stuff as a wedding videographer that you don't see as the guy officiating the wedding. There's a whole nother world in there. Oh, I imagine so. And I'm from the holiness movement, brother. I can't handle some of that stuff. It just <laughs> rubs me wrong. So, so, I, uh, so I was doing that. So that's another $1,500. Now I could do that twice a month. That's $3,000. Now all of a sudden I'm at $5,500 a month extra on top of my 27. Yep. So... What's that? 5,500 plus 27, that would be uh, 7,583, yeah. I think. I think so. so 83, 82, 83? Yep. 82, $8,200 a month. So now I'm at $8,200 a month. Did you know that $8,300 is what you have to make every month to make $100,000 a year? It's 833333333. Yeah. You know, would you get into that 82 to 84 a month? Now you're at $100,000 a year. So all of a sudden, bam, just on a couple of streams of income that were easily executable for me, also happen to be high value items. I don't want to overlook that, that this is a, right. we right. got a kind of a corner on the market. <clears throat> yes. And so now all of a sudden, I'm at $100,000 a year. But here's the question. Now, granted, I was way over 30. This is all hypothetical. So, Sure. It's, this is all plays out. And, you know, and some, and, and, and you aren't going to do two weddings every month, but the, it, that graphic design stuff with churches, boy, I'm going to tell you, if you're a graphic designer out there, I'm going to give you a, a, a little hint real quick. You got to find the churches who think it's harder than it really is. Yeah. 
Some people are scared of graphic design and guess what? They're ready to pay you $400 a month to never have to think about it again. That's right. Or lazy. Look, there'll be never be a, there'll never be a lack of lazy people in the world ever. There will be people. Jesus, Jesus said the poor you will have with you always. And I'll say the lazy you will have with you always. Exactly. The scared you will have with you always. And so exactly. anytime that people, and listen, you bless them because they need, they need it done. And they're too scared or too lazy or whatever it is. But if they got the money, honey, you got the time. So make whatever's got to happen, happen there. Yeah. And, and I was, so, I, was going, I was just going to say that there's platforms for that. If you're listening, if you've never been to Fiverr.com, which is a super easy platform to get signed up with where, you yeah. can, where people can find you to do whatever it is you do really well. For but me, I do, I, I will say though, for youth pastors, I think there's probably, you're probably two degrees of separation from somebody who needs it. Oh, no question. If you're in a network or on Facebook, I see it all the time in Facebook groups. People are always looking for those things. So those things are right there. If yeah. you stand outward and you say, I, I want some extra or whatever, then yeah, you can do things like Fiverr or Gigger or something like that. Where And it's, find those things. it's easy to think, oh, well, those are going to be the churches of 65. Those are the churches of 80. No, listen, it's the churches that are between 700 and 1500 where the staff is getting so maxed out that there's not enough income coming in to hire on auxiliary staff, but there is so much demand that they need something done. And a lot of these guys, they could find $500 in their budget every month to pay you to do something like that. So that is a good, you know, and I mean, you want to take it to a whole nother level video, man. Yep. There was a time I was recording video announcements for a church in my dining room. <laughs> I had gotten savage seamless paper and I'd drop it down. So it'd be a colored background, solid color. And I just stand there and do their, they'd send them to me. I'd script them out and I'd never even been to this church. And I'm like, hey, welcome to our church this morning, whatever the name of it was. Welcome to First Church, you know. And so, like, I'm you're going to meet me in the lobby or something. And so, that you know, guy does the videos. Hey, at one church I had never been to was doing their video announcements. Went there like three months after they'd been going. But you know, when you're on the move, you don't think about this stuff. I mean, I've never watched these video announcements. Right. And I walk in, and all of these people are looking at me. And finally, one old lady goes, you're that guy on the TV. <laughs> there he is, Martha. There he is. But that could, be, that could be painting. That could be, I mean, there's a myriad of things that you could be doing that create that secondary type of income. And then the third type of stream of income that I'd really look at would be something that you just go do, something that you get at an hourly rate. That would be construction that it, the, the, the difficult part here is it has to work with your schedule. Yeah. So you could do construction, you could do working in retail, you could do delivery. I mean, you could do Uber. I know a lot of guys right now are doing Uber and Lyft and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's the third way that you could do it. But there is a way that I'm really partial to yeah. that I want to speak to in a way that I'm kind of high level and I don't want it to come off like I'm pitching anybody. Right. Because that's not what I'm doing. Matter of fact, I'm not even going to tell you what company that we're with. And if I do in the course of this podcast, it was an accident because <laughs> I just, because I'm in it all the time. Yeah. But um, I really encourage people to take a good, honest, hard look at multi-level marketing and um, at network marketing, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
the, here's the reality with it. This is kind of, if we were just to go real high level with it, and this isn't necessarily the truth all the way across the board. There are exceptions to this rule, but there are, for the most part, this is going to be what you're going to find out there. Yeah. You're looking at business opportunities that are real and legitimate. Y'all, let me tell you the paychecks are real. Let me tell you about how we get crazy paychecks, okay? Um, and I, I, we are at the top of the industry. I don't want anybody to think, you know, that's why I'm able to shut some stuff down that I don't want to do. But we've, we help so many people. We've got several five-figure monthly earners under us. We've got countless four-figure monthly earners under us. Yeah. When you look at multi-level marketing, here's really the opportunity. The opportunity is to create or to, to start a legitimate business that has legitimate products or a legitimate service for a fraction of the startup cost. I remember when my wife and I, and, and it's mostly her, and depending on the industry, guys, if you can get your wife turned on to it, it might change your life. I know a lot of pastors that do MLM, but let me tell you something. Some of these guys have put bad taste in everybody's mouth because they do MLM and they leave. Yep. They don't, listen, I know these guys because we all know each other. I'm one of the few guys who's just stuck with ministry in MLM. But I, I, I'm in control of everything too, so it also helps. A lot of these guys who left their churches because of MLM did not leave because of MLM. They left because, especially these senior pastors, their board liked having control of their money. Yeah. And, and I, I know a friend, I've got a friend who it came down to it and he just said, look, they put me in a position where it was like, we're going to give you a hard time unless you make $6,000 a month. Yeah. While I got $20,000 a month coming in. Yeah. And I mean, at 20, if, if y'all are going to give me this much grief in a church he started, yeah. I'd say I'm going to go have these problems somewhere else. Uh -oh. This is an issue I'm going to take. Somewhere. So a lot of guys didn't have it left because that. I know it's put a bad taste in people's mouth because they've seen MLM guys get big and, and leave their churches and stuff. These guys aren't stepping away from the ministry. And I'm not necessarily even vouching that it's been a good, Right. Uh, deal for their spiritual life. I can't, I'm not giving them a hundred percent approval, but I will tell you the reason they left was not because they were into the MLM cult. It's because they're, they're a lot of them, their church board started giving them grief because the pastor was walking in the room. He was the highest giver in the church. He made more money than anybody in the room. Some of their paychecks combined. Right. And that was, that just became an issue for people and perception. That being said, yeah, go ahead. If you want to interject, I was you, say, you made a good point. I was going to say you made a good point because, <clears throat> because there's people who there's the, there's the high pressure, right. Of, of guys, you know, cause I am familiar with uplines and downlines and all these various notions. Uh, I was in a church where, where a guy offered me to be a part of an MLM and uh, one out of three, I'll tell you, one out of three people in the church were MLM. There was just yeah. the whole, it was just there. It was the culture of what it yeah. was. And he says, look, if you'll sign up under me, you'll get X amount of dollars for the youth ministry. And, all, and it was very high sales. It was very much a pressure situation, which is what you described. I was like, listen, that is not me at all. I said, yeah. to me, I can't, I, I said, to me, 
first of all, being on staff, I wouldn't do it anyway. I said, I felt like that would be a compromise to me because everybody, when I walk in the room, were wondering why I was there. What am I going to talk about? And that, that type of thing there. So I chose not to do that. And if you're listening, by the way, we're both, both Jason and I are not, we're, we're not saying you should do it. We're saying if you're going to do it, be smart about it. Don't just do it because somebody pressures you to do it. Well, absolutely. And I'll say this. If you do MLM, you don't have to build on your church. And it is, it can be potentially low-hanging fruit. Right. I don't know that it's the best fruit that you want. Right. And I'll be honest with you, it was a long time before anybody really in our ministries, because we've done MLM outside of being at a local church minister. Right. But it was a long time before we started seeing people come in who were church folks. But, but I'll be honest with you, there, at some point, there's a moral, you feel a moral obligation to people when you start making $27,000 checks, $34,000 checks, yeah. $44,000 checks. When you get a $44,000 deposit in your bank, and you go, well, this whole segment of my life, I'm just going to keep them shielded off from it. But when you just signed up and you're just trying to get your first three people, I'm just saying that the deacons may not be the ones you want to sign up right now. Just yeah, give that awesome. some time. Yes. But I really do. I, I want to put a strong, I encourage everyone to look at it strongly because I remember when Ashley was making maybe six, $7,000 a month. So nothing astronomical but it was significant. Sure. She was making six, $7,000 a month in MLM. And I was bringing in like maybe $1,200 a month in the wedding business because people just weren't booking. And I kind of priced to get the gig. Sure. So when you price to get the gig, you also go in and doing stuff you don't want to do ever. I was in one wedding one time and I looked at the photographer and I said, these are not the kind of people who should be having a wedding. <laughs> they shouldn't be having a wedding when they had they had nachos for their dinner oh you know like nachos and cheese like you'd get from like a walmart yeah. uh you know food place yeah. i'm like these people should not be having a wedding and so um but i remember sitting there thinking my wife is making seven thousand dollars a month yeah. and it took us a hundred dollars to get started I'm making $1,200 a month and my paperwork with the state costs more than a hundred dollars a month. Not to mention the $10,000 in camera gear that I've invested myself into sure. so I can shoot these cotton picking things. So, you know, that I, I just think it's a real worthwhile investigation. And, uh, and the key is I will, I will give you a key to MLM if you want the real key. When you look at a company, ask if you get paid when you sign people up or if you get paid when they make more money. Yeah. If your paycheck is connected to their paycheck, yep. that's a whole lot of accountability. And not to throw any companies under the bus, but a few years ago, a big company named Herbalife, which a lot of people probably heard of, Right. It's a massive, I mean, they're, I think they're probably multi-billion dollar company. I don't know, yeah. but that was the, that was what came out with them. What just happened with Advocare, 
very similar because Advocare just got shut down in their MLM section. They're, they're going to be selling stuff in Walmart now because they can't do MLM anymore. It was because they were getting compensated for the recruit. Right. And not for the development. Right. And so that's and if you, pressure, and that's where the pressure comes from because whoever's up above you. Because it's recruit, recruit, recruit. Because everybody's, a, you know, $150. Yeah. But, you know, you, like our company, we get, we are benefited financially when people grow their business. When they win, we win. So we want to see people, matter of fact, me and Ashley, our goal is to get people to $2,000 a month as fast as possible. Because yeah. we know that's where they really start making money and there's a chain reaction. And so, so yeah, so that would be the big thing that I would look at. Um, well, it's a great point. And the, and, uh, and, and I'm youth workers as, as you're, once again, there are no links to follow. This is no, this is no pitch here. There's no link. No, I am not. Pi- I want to be very clear that I'm not going to put any pitch in out fact, on this. In fact, I am the, uh, Jason and I are, are probably, we're probably opposite ends of the stick as far as this goes and as far as this and never do it. If you think it's going to muddy your relationships in the church don't ever do it if you think if it's gonna if it's gonna be uh, uh, you know what do they call it a, um, uh, a a conflict of interest that kind of thing. Don't jump into things. Don't go for that quick thing uh, when you haven't thought it out. The way Jason has said, look, if you're gonna look at it, look at it like a real business. Don't look at it as a get quick, you know, yeah. get quick, yeah, and I thing. It's it's funny. I was talking with um with some of our, our really high income earners they aren't, that aren't in our downline, some of our peers today. And they had asked, uh, they were trying, we, we use um, a, a thing called the color personality. That's kind of like the disc test, sure. but we've kind of just attached colors to all of those. And they were asking essentially, how do I attract more high D's? Because yeah. a high D just, man, they just get it done. They just make it happen. Especially if they got a little bit of that I in there, they yeah. just make it happen. And um, I, had gone in and I started a conversation with them and told them the reason you can't recruit these people is because you only sell the dream. But a high D looks at you at the beach every day in the pool every day. And then you make a coffee and all of a sudden you're getting rich. They look at that and they go, that's not real. Right. And I said, if you don't sell the hustle, it's not real. And the problem sometimes in MLM is you get, we do sell you the dream. And it is, because listen, I do whatever I want every day. Exactly. <laughs> I, can go to, I can go to Disney World any day of the week I want. Right. That being said, though, there's a hustle. And if I'm at Disney World, we are both on our phones. We are yep. both talking to people. It is, it is nonstop all day. It's a real it's, job. It's, it's a, a real job. A it real, is, you're helping real people achieve real things. But at the same time, it's real leverage. You can make real money faster than you might be able to in other industries if you do the work. Right. But correct. like I got a girl who sent me an email today and this is kind of what most people are like in MLM. Uh, I send out every week I run a report and I send out anybody who has money on the table that they have that's about to expire that they haven't gotten. I send out an email. Yep. And so I have a girl. I, we didn't sign her. We, we, I, we don't know who she is. Right. But she's somewhere down there. And uh, so she signed up. 10 days ago, 10 days ago, and uh, I sent her an email this morning saying, you got this money on the table, make sure you do whatever, X, Y, Z, get your money, you'll be fine. She writes me back, she says, I just want to remind you that you guys are a scam, and I'd like my money back, but it looks like I'm never going to get it. Now, this is the first communication I've ever had with a girl, Right. okay? 
But let me tell you what I learned. I learned that in 10 days, she went from, I can make a bazillion dollars in this industry to I haven't made a bazillion dollars in this industry. Yeah. And it is so funny how quick, and, and I'll say that if you do join an MLM, good, bad, or indifferent, if you join one, you need to submit yourself to the process. Right. Because otherwise, you're just going to be out. Some of these, I mean, I joined one for $450 one time that I never made a dime off of. Yeah. Yeah. And got some products again because someone wanted a favor. <laughs> products I didn't even like. Probably, I didn't even like these things. That's right. Would you order me some soap? I really like that soap. Yeah, because we get soap. And oh, that's the other thing. And don't join a stupid company. <laughs> My God, I see people join to sell stuff that's like, they got one out there now, and this is where I get real country on folks. Yeah. They got one that where you sell chocolate. Yeah. Nobody wants to buy chocolate from you. No. What do you I want the are chocolate. You way that you're buying chocolate, you're selling chocolate? Is that it? You got no, to I mean, the dance or the football team? Yeah, there's only one one person that someone wants to buy chocolate from directly, and it's the kid doing the band fundraiser. That That's the only one they want to buy correct. chocolate from. Exactly. In big, long, white bars. Yes. Give me five. <laughs> I want the caramel right now. Give it to me. <laughs> so, yeah, so that I don't want to drill that home too much, even though I have. But I mean, that it can just be a great, it can, it can be a really great opportunity for people. And I agree with you that there are opportunities. Uh, uh, full disclosure, my wife does essential oils. I, I'm not a huge fan necessarily, uh, but I'm a guy. And what I, is she people. with Young Living or yeah. doTERRA? Young Living? Well, yeah. Young Living is, I mean, I tell you what, I know people in Young Living who it is just the business models transform their life. Oh, no question. The thing I like about Young Living, and there's another weight loss one that a lot of pastors are in, the thing I like about them is they have made the market so wide open for us in sure. ministry. Sure. Because they that nobody really does what we do. Right. And so, and, and, I'll t and I probably wouldn't push this this hard normally with ministry people to say you need to look at MLM. Yeah. We did recently have a situation, though, where one of our five-figure earners, her husband's a youth pastor. Oh, well, I guess this is super like pertinent to what we're talking about now. But he walked in one day and out of the blue, they just fired him on the spot. Wow. He said, I didn't see it coming. He got on the phone with me. He's like, I don't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. And I just told him, and he was devastated. Sure. And I, and I told him, I said, bro, you are the only youth pastor that got fired today that has an income that's still coming in that's over $120,000 a year. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't necessarily take the sting away, but I'm going to tell you something. I don't have to play your game on the way out. That's right. So there, there, there is another way, though, to make money that I do just want to bring up, especially in what we do. And it's called intellectual property. Now, it get, this gets a little tricky because technically, if you are an employee, your stuff belongs to your church. Mm -hmm. If you write it on their time or it even correlates with what you do, it technically would belong to them. And that would probably be something that they could have ruled in their favor in the court of law. Greatly or, or uh, fortunately, that's probably never going to escalate to that point unless you've gotten yourself into some kind of trouble that, you know, you may not even have a friend at Jesus at that point. Right. But 
Um, but when it comes to intellectual property, you just always want to make sure that your church is, is cool with it. If you're a senior, if you're looking to go senior pastor ever, I would recommend having this in a contract somewhere. Yep. Uh, but use that intellectual property. If you're super creative, if, if you're writing sermons, listen, there is somebody out there who is downloading Craig Groeschel's sermons every week, yep. preaching them, and somebody just told him this week, Man, you got that from Craig Rochelle, didn't you? <laughs> so now he, what this guy needs is a secret source. Uh-huh. And you can become the secret source with your intellectual property. Sure. And you don't have to charge an arm and a leg. But the nice thing about that is, is you do the work once, you preach it, it's good for you. You already got everything that you needed. You already run that thing dry. Yeah, but right. now you upload that to a Shopify or whatever and, yep. you know, 10 bucks a pop. Good place for me to plug. Please visit gumroad.com slash youthmenresources uh, because that's where I store all my stuff. So if you, if you need a secret source, I'm here to help you. And when I write it, I write it complete. It's not like I didn't write it on a napkin. It's complete. It's everything you need. Slides with stories, with games, with everything you need. And I'll tell you right now, if I was a youth pastor, especially a young youth pastor, and I was still getting my footing and everything, yeah. I would want something that was tried and true. And Paul, you got some years behind you. So the stuff that you have is like for real. For real. It's for real stuff. So, I mean, I would encourage people to check that out too. Yeah. I don't play around. I try to, I try to make sure that, look, I understand being, I know what it's like to be the youth worker and saying, I'm dry this week. I don't have anything. I need inspiration. Of course you should read your Bible, pray hard. And even after that, you say, I still need a, a, a series. I want to do a series on a topic that I'm not familiar with or uh, something like that, or I need an outreach type of segment where I need to do three weeks of whatever. Well, then that's when that comes in. I encourage, I encourage youth pastors to write their own stuff, but there are weeks and times when you feel like you can't do that. Well, so that's I would do. encourage everyone, and anybody familiar with my stuff would know, I encourage everybody to just get with God, get a word, and you know, I've never preached anybody else's stuff in my life. Yeah. At the same time, though, I also know, man, there's a weeks where your grandma's going to die. Your pastor's wife's going to have surgery. Yep. Board member who thinks that you ought to visit them every time they have a cough, got a cough. Kid in the youth ministry got stitches. I had to tell somebody one time, I don't go to the hospital for stitches. I mean, my God, it's stitches. We can text him for that. Yeah. Hey, I hope them stitches heal real good. Right. Um, you know, so, but there's going to be those weeks where everything happens, your wife's sick, your kid's yeah. sick. And it's yeah. just, your. it's not necessarily that even that you, you couldn't get a word from God. Yeah. It's that you might need some emotional guardrails to not get up there and preach about how all your kids are in sin <laughs> and y'all all, y'all all going to hell cause y'all are terrible people Deep and up. I hate Deep you. Up default mode yeah and you're just ready to ream everybody out and you having a little therapy session up there in the pulpit and uh i used i had a pastor who used to say man y'all are better than therapy (laughs) my god so yeah so you know it's sometimes it's good to have those guardrails in there there is no doubt brother well jason i want to thank you for your time buddy you have you have blessed me i know you have blessed the listeners uh, who are listening right now because you've given them options. So many youth pastors just don't feel like they have options. They feel like they're supposed to grind it out. They're not going to make more uh, unless Jesus inspires their pastor to give them a raise. They're not going to make any more money per week than what they're making. 
That's what no. they're making. That's their, their salary or whatever that is. Uh, you know, they, they maybe, maybe they get a blessing at Christmas and maybe pastor appreciation month, maybe they get like, you know, a Chick-fil-A card or whatever they're going to get. But none of that, no, no more money necessarily is going to be created. No. And you don't have to, you don't have to hit your wagon up to anybody else financially. You said pastor appreciation. It made me think, Paul, I remember, you remember when the iPhone first came out? Sure. Okay. I was geeked kind of like the rest of the known world was. Okay. I was geeked and I found out that they were giving me an iPhone for pastor appreciation. Wow. And I was so excited. And my pastor fired me on the Monday before pastor appreciation Sunday and said, it's effective immediate because we're having pastor appreciation. We don't think it'd be fair to the people if we had you come back, even though you're leaving, like I decided to leave. He's not bringing me back because it's because I decided you're firing me right here on a Monday morning. Like it's my decision not to get this. You owe me an iPhone. That's what they're going to tell the congregation. And, Brother, brother Jason, uh, brother Mayfield is going to be. Leaving. He heard from he heard from the Lord last he's Monday morning on. around eight fifteen a.m. So we don't want to give. I ought to send him a text right now and you son of a gun, you owe me an iPhone, <laughs> and they're more expensive now too. Uh, that is correct. That is correct. But where can if people are interested in Jason Mayfield, where can people get, hit you up, find your stuff? Where where in the world can they connect with you? Well, I tell you, the three best places to do it. Uh, I'm act pretty active on Instagram. You can find me there, the Jason Mayfield. Uh, my YouTube channel. If you type in Jason Mayfield on YouTube, I'm probably showing up. If not, type in Jason Mayfield Bible. I definitely will be the first hit that you get. And then uh, the last place would be, I think that's uh, kind of coincides with what we did today. Is I've started doing on my podcast, Jason Mayfield Podcast. Everything's Jason Mayfield. I make it real simple. You're gonna find me. And, uh, but go to the Jason Mayfield podcast every Monday, I'm doing something that's a little more motivational towards a business lean. And so if you're trying to get started, uh, or you just need a kind of a, a word to pick you up and make you believe that you can do it this week, go over there, Jason Mayfield podcast every Monday. I'm going to encourage you some kind of way. Awesome. Awesome. Jason, thank you for being here today. Thanks for sharing with these youth workers. I, I know that they're going to take away some of these tips and go, you know what? I need to take some authority over my own life, my own finances, uh, be faithful to God, uh, but I have to take care of my family, and I, I want to look towards the future and, uh, and, and, and create the future that I believe God wants to have for me, and I have to take some ownership of that. Thank you for reminding youth workers that that's what they need to do. And that is that. What a great interview with Jason Mayfield. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you caught all those little nuggets, all those little perspectives from his time as a worship pastor, uh, some of the experiences I had with uh, trying to, you know, do my own side hustles as I'm attempting to train youth workers uh, in this new ministry endeavor I've had now for the past year. And uh, that's it, guys. I, I hope that you guys enjoyed it enough to maybe go over to iTunes and leave uh, some stars and a review. Would love that because uh, the more you review it, and say nice things, uh, the more people are going to find this podcast and it's going to be helpful and useful to them. So guys, thanks for joining today for the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast, the podcast that keeps you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Have a great day, everybody.